It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 13th, 2016. Welcome to the program tonight. We're glad you're listening. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Well, yeah, I better get a microphone. How about a here. microphone? There we go. Yeah, yeah. Great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you now that you're here. And uh, behind the controls, uh, we've got uh, Josh here. Josh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be here. Glad to hear from. Glad you're here, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Uh, and we're glad that you're listening. We want to hear from you in the chat room if you're listening to us live. Sign in there. We want to hear from you on the phone. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. If you're listening to us live, or if you're listening to us in the recording, and we welcome your emails, questions at collegeview.com, live or in the recording tonight, uh, the, to let us know your thoughts or to suggest uh, questions or topics for future editions of the virtual Bible study. Yeah, and you know we'd love for you just to send us an email, especially if you're a podcast listener, because we we see some of our regulars in the chat room during the live broadcast. But if you're a podcast listener. Uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com to say I'm a regular podcast listener in such and such a place and so forth. Yeah, we, we, got met, some, uh, we met some of our listeners from Brewston, Tennessee uh, on yeah, Sunday. I, I, had known them, I had known them before, well, but, yeah, them before but I, I met but them they the reminded us that they were regular listeners. Yeah. Uh, someone, uh, we just got some feedback from Seattle, Washington this morning of someone who's a regular podcast right. listener out yeah. there. And so it's, it's fun to hear where people are yeah, connecting from. All right, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We got we've got this announcement that we've been making the last couple of uh, last couple of programs about our upcoming gospel meeting, which now is just over a week away. Starts on Sunday, October the twenty third, uh, and we want to encourage everybody who's in the Middle Tennessee area to make a plan to come and join us for our gospel meeting, October twenty third through twenty eighth, a Sunday through Friday. We've got different speakers from this general area who are going to come and speak for us. Jim Walsh from Tompkinsville, Kentucky, John Gibson from Athens, Alabama, um, Jim Michaels from Lewisburg, Tennessee, David Watson from Athens, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, Alabama, I'll get yeah. that right, uh, Alan Yader from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and then on Friday nights, make a special note of this, Friday night, instead of having a preaching service on Friday night, we're going to have a singing Jim Deason's going to come from Coleman, Alabama, and lead us in singing on Friday night, the 28th. So that ought to be a really good meeting, a lot of really good preaching. And uh, we, it, by the way, if you're interested in what topics those men will be preaching, look to the homepage of our collegeview.com website, and uh, you'll see those there. All right. So if you are, well, even if you're not within driving distance, you ought to think about coming. We'd love to have you come and join us for these special series of lessons. Yeah, yeah we'd love to see you. All right. All right. Well... Are you just absolutely exhausted about all the news coverage of the uh, presidential election coming up? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's getting a little bit tired. It's reached the saturation point now. It's just it's just it's just too much. And of course, in the last several days, all these uh, revelations about uh, misbehavior on a part of this one and that one, and it's just it's just almost. I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's just 
too much. It's, yeah, yeah. So we're going to add to that tonight. We're going to add to that because that, we've decided we need to talk about this uh, from a biblical point of view. This is from a biblical and moral point of view, and uh, it's not. Uh, I'm going to do my part, and I think you will as well, to steer this away from the political. It yeah. definitely does not need to be a political discussion, but there are moral ramifications about the whole election question uh, from a lot of different angles. Yeah, so we're, what, about three weeks out from the election, and it, it is obviously on everybody's mind. Everybody's talking about it It's because it's just absolutely uh, nonstop on, on the news outlets. And it is a, it, there, there are moral implications that Christians need to consider and, and make a plan. But what are you going to do about this? You've got to make a plan. We're, going to, we're not going to tell you. If you're listening tonight so that you might hear us tell you what to do, we're not going to do that. But we are going to talk about things that all of us as Christians need to factor into our decision-making process. All right. So we want to hear from you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's a successful program if we don't mention either, either of the candidates by name tonight. Maybe if that's possible, I doubt that would be possible. I doubt that would be possible. We definitely but, don't want to be uh, political in our discussion. Yeah, we're not endorsing candidates at all. We're not going to do that. But there are a lot of, of issues that we need to talk about. Earlier today, to our update list, we always tell you get on our update list. If you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, put me on the list, and we'll do it. We sent out these simple questions. Number one, can we vote? Number two, should we vote? Number three, in regards to the current election, comment on these things. Praying about the election, praying for God's will to be done. What do you think about the moral issues that are at stake? And what about the moral character of the candidates? Is that a factor? Should we factor that in? That's a big issue in this election, obviously. Finally, number four, which I I think may become a very important consideration whether or not one's preferred candidate wins, what should Christians do? Yep. All right. Excellent. Pertinent questions tonight uh, for our consideration. Again, we want you to join in the discussion. The discussion is better when you uh, join in. Sign in the chat room if you've not signed in, or give us a call toll-free. The line's open, 877-381-4567. Certainly in the news, certainly on people's minds, and I think the uh, the moral implications are on people's minds in general. I think even in the world, people are considering uh, the moral ramifications of their actions on Election Day, and so we need to talk about that tonight. Yeah, we see in the chat room we got Mike in Ohio. Hello, Mike. Uh, Arthur in Kalioka. Arthur, glad you're back up with your computer, getting it working uh, to listen to the virtual Bible study. we got a listener in Mount Pleasant. Uh, some others who haven't signed in, get signed in. At least give yourself a sort of a pen name so that you can comment, because we really do want a lot of comments in the chat room tonight, because we want to know what you're thinking. Uh, We're going to talk about what we think, but this is is a subject open for discussion, because I think there's a lot of judgment involved. There's a lot of judgment involved in what you're going to do about the election. I think it's an important time in, in in our nation and in our culture uh, and as Christians, we need to think about what we're doing relative to those times. Our first question, should we vote? Or, no, qu- first question is, can we vote? Can is, we vote? Are, are is we authorized, authorized to vote? Yeah. You know, that's uh, not necessarily a given in everybody's mind. Nope. Uh, nope. I found and, uh, some, sir, sir, go ahead. Yeah, I found some quotes. Um, you know, early Christians didn't necessarily think they should participate in civil government affairs. Uh, Edward Gibbon, 
of course, that that name probably rings a bell in regards to the one who wrote about the the decline and fall of the Roman Empire and so forth. He he is quoted. Uh, as having said, early Christians refused to take any active part in civil administration of the empire. Talking about the Roman Empire. Uh, Philip Schaff, uh, who, of course, wrote a lot about church history, said, quote, early Christians disregarded, had a disregard for politics and deprecation of all civil and temporal affairs as compared with the spiritual and eternal interests of men. So way back in early times uh, in Christianity, Christians maybe didn't want to participate or have any connection to the civil government. You know, we, we sort of take it for granted maybe that we can and should vote, but it hasn't always been that way. And and more recently, many will recognize the name David Lipscomb, uh, about 150 years ago, Lipscomb wrote a book called Civil Government, and in it, he took the position that Christians ought not to vote. He contended that since the Bible teaches that God rules in the kingdoms of men and puts into office those he chooses, referencing Daniel 2:21 and Daniel 4, verse 17, he says Christian people ought to leave the matter to God and remain aloof from the political process. Uh and, of course, others have made those same kind of arguments. Um, what do you think about that? What do, you about, what do you think about those who say, well, that's not in our realm. That's not important to us. God's going to do what he wants to do about that. Just leave it alone. Is that a fair argument? I know some who make that argument. Uh, I don't. Um, it, it is true that God rules in the, in the kingdoms of men and uh, establishes those that he wants to have in that position. But uh, that does not prevent us or would not preclude us from exercising our right. And perhaps uh, we are the ones who God intends uh, to use to fulfill his wishes. Yeah, that's the thing. We know that God's not working miraculously in the world today, but we believe he is very active providentially. And he still rules in the affairs of men through his providence. Who's to say that God doesn't intend to use our influence providentially to bring about things to happen within our government? Well, that's true, and but we and we do know that God will not, that we won't be able to prevent God's uh, providence from occurring. Um, but we might be agents of His providence, uh, and so we, you know, I, I think that that has to be taken into consideration. You know, certainly God had providential care for the nation of Israel. And in Esther chapter 4, remember that uh, as she is uh, uh, confronted by Mordecai to, to maybe carry out some of God's providential care. Uh, Mordecai says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the, from, for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so God uses humans to fulfill his uh, providential uh, purposes so my voting doesn't uh, won't prevent that or preclude that, but it may be an agent of uh, of God's providence. Yeah, um, I think we've sort of got an. Well, we know it's not sort of. Uh, definitely, we are given an assignment by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five. Everyone knows, beginning verse thirteen: "Ye are the salt of the earth." Uh, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, I really believe personally that that voting is one way to act as salt in our culture, in our society, in our in the communities where we live, in the nations where we live, that voting uh, for righteous principles is a way to be salt and light. You know, if you thought about it, if all people who held godly values stayed out of the election process, and I don't think this would ever happen, but if you think, you know, if someone came along and began to persuade Christians, don't vote. People with with moral values don't vote. Then that would just leave the immoral people to vote, and not, uh, and the outcome of that would be obvious, right? Yeah. So you know, I I think that there's an assignment that we're given there, salt and light, and voting. That's not that's not the only way, and so I don't even think it's the the majority way in which we do that, but it's one way to do it. Let's imagine, for instance, that we there was going to be a referendum. You could say you were voting. Maybe it's just raising your hand. We're going to get all the citizens of uh, the state together in one place. Raise your hand. Should abortion be legal or illegal? Can you do that? Can you vo- Could you vote for that? Or what if we say we want to make a vote to decide uh, whether or not um, homosexual marriage should be sanctioned? Could you vote for that? We're not voting for candidates we're just, here. We're voting on, on, on moral questions. And if you could, what if someone said, I'm going to run for governor, for mayor, for president on the platform that I want to abolish abortion or I want to uh, outlaw homosexual marriage? Could you then vote for that person? Or contrarywise, uh, 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 a candidate who says, I'm going to see to it that abortion is maintained and expanded, that homosexual marriage is preserved and promoted uh, would you vote for that candidate? Yeah. You know, in other words, take you, it out of the realms of of a person that you're like, a, a, a specific person, but think of it in terms of moral questions. I, I think all Christians know the answer to those moral questions, and then that should help us carry that over. But again, we can influence the outcome of, and I really think those those two moral issues are huge. There are others, but those two moral issues are huge. And we can make a statement in regards to what kind of government we want. What do we want our government to do in regards to these kinds of moral issues? We can make a statement. You know, I think we have a precedent in scriptures that says we have a right as Christians to exercise our privileges as citizens in the civil government. Paul did that in Acts chapter 16. You remember he was in the city of Philippi, and he and Silas had been arrested. They had been beaten, and with, without charges had been cast into the dungeon. You, you remember the whole overnight episode with the conversion of the Philippian jailer. But when they came for him the next day, uh, they said, you know, they just want to sort of shuffle him out of town. And, and Paul said, no. Let them come and get us. Uh, they, uh, they, the, the, the magistrates have sent to let you go, he was told. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? 
No, verily, let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the servants, uh, the sergeants told the words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. You know, Paul could have just dropped it, you know. But no, some, this, this was wrong, and wrong in regards to what the civil government there in that place had done. And he says, let them come and see us face to face, you know. Yeah. So he exercised his rights as a Roman citizen. He did that again uh, in Acts chapter 22 when he was arrested in Jerusalem. He asked uh, when they were preparing to, to scourge him. Uh, it says they bound him with thongs and Paul said to the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Whoa, they stopped. They didn't scourge him. What he did there is basically exercise his rights as a Roman citizen. You can't, in Rome, like here, you can't be punished without formal charges and trial. He was a citizen of the Roman Empire. He said, no, you, you know, is, is this the right thing? And he just exercised his rights as a citizen. All right. From our listeners tonight, Travis uh, sends in an email. Travis, thank you for taking time to share your thoughts with us tonight. Can we vote? Sure. A vote in some cases might be akin to asking permission of a king for some purpose. This is something that uh, Old Testament figures such as Daniel did. See Daniel 2, verses 40, verse 49 Daniel 2, verse 49 says, And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. If it wasn't wrong for Daniel to make request of a king, then we should feel comfortable and justified to make request of our leadership through the voting process. Never heard that argument, Travis, but I think it's a worthy one. I think uh, that makes sense. It would be akin to asking He was voting for yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, good. All right. Um, and then Chris uh, says, yes, a Christian can vote. We are allowed this opportunity by the laws of our land. I find nowhere in Scripture that would prevent us from voting. So Chris says, yes, he believes you can. Yeah. Now, certainly there are um, uh, views on both sides of this, and uh, both you know, have strong some, uh, conscientious uh, convictions. There, about there are some religious groups, for instance, Jehovah's Witnesses. They're, none of their members vote. They don't believe that they should participate in the affairs of civil government. If you're going to enforce a rule of that nature, you're going to have to come up with some Scripture to say so, if you can prove to, from scriptures that Christians are not authorized to be voting in civil government affairs or using their influence or exercising their rights as citizens of civil government, then we're open to those arguments. Bring forth those arguments, but I don't see them. The Apostle Paul, I didn't quite... And we've got positive authority here to be engaged in civil government so you, with the Apostle Paul taking... Yeah, the, the, his, I didn't even rights. mention the most familiar case of Paul using his governmental rights as a citizen was when the, the, there was he knew there was a plot to kill him in Jerusalem and uh, there was a, a, a suggestion, let's go back to Jerusalem and have these charges heard. He knew he'd be murdered if he went there. And Paul says, uh, if there be none of these things, whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar, Acts 25, verse 11. And, you know, again, exercising his rights as, as a, um, a citizen of Rome. All right. And so I think all of that suggests, yes, we can vote. I, I, I cannot come up with, you know, David Lipscomb uh, was a very uh, strong Bible teacher and a conservative bible thinker in his time but i and he and he was of the conclusion that christians ought not to vote or participate in government but i've never read the arguments from scripture that even he tried to make it was just an opinion that he held and if you held that opinion then i suppose you could make your decision based on it but i don't see it from scripture yes it certainly don't want to you don't want to violate your conscience but uh, you also can't bind your uh, conscientious 
opinions to uh, others without the scripture to do so. Uh, Josh, we haven't gotten your thoughts yet. Any comments so far? Yeah, guys, I was just thinking about um, what Greg mentioned in Matthew 5 as far as being a light. You know, I think it's important for a Christian to speak up. And uh, if there's a moral issue at hand, speaking up and, you know, putting your putting your thoughts or God's thoughts on the moral issue out there. You know, if we sit back and do nothing and the laws continue to be passed and we have no say about it, at least. So they so they've legalized some things that are sinful. But at least we can oppose, you know, or show our opposition to it and don't just That's sit right. back and let it happen. Uh, guest 9169 says our light cannot shine if we do not work. So I think guest 9169 is agreeing that we need to let our light shine, and we can do so uh, through the election process. We need to get a break. Let's grab a quick break. You know, let's just we'll, we'll quickly take the, the secondary part of that question. Can we vote? There's an answer to that question. Should we vote? No, let's, let's take it a, a little higher level. Is it, we believe it's authorized. Should we do it since it is authorized? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The art of eloquence is to know when to keep still. Throwing mud at a good man only soils your own hands. The Christian life doesn't get easier, it gets better. Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. The smallest deed done is better than the greatest intention. Man, wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program as we talk about the election and what we should do as Christians. Well, we've looked at the question of can we vote. We believe the scriptures give us authority to vote. The next issue at hand is uh, should we vote? Yeah, I... Uh, um, let's, I wish we could get a little more comments from you, you all in the chat room. What do you think about this? Do you think that Christians should feel an obligation to vote? Not not an authority to vote. I think the authority is there. But do you think Christians should feel a moral obligation to vote? Here's what Chris in Georgia says. He says, I personally feel an obligation to vote. There are millions of unborn babies murdered, and I want to do everything I can to elect leaders that will help stop this slaughter. 
I'm so right. Chris is motivated yeah. to vote on the issue. I'm of right with you, Chris. I'm right with you on that. I think that's the. I think that is, in my way of thinking, you know, if if, if they let's say that you came upon a scene and someone was about to slaughter a, a, a newborn baby, would you take action to try and stop that atrocity from occurring? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, if you if you could grab the knife or take the gun or uh, snatch the baby away, if you could do something to save that baby's life from someone who was about to brutally murder it, would you do it? Wouldn't you feel like you were duty bound to do it? If you had, if you had an, an opportunity and you let it pass, I think it would haunt you. I could have saved that baby's life and I didn't do it. Well, that's effectively what we got here. I have a chance to at least give my voice to stopping this atrocity of abortion and I feel an obligation to try and do so. 58.15 signs in the chat room and says, I'm with Chris. So there's a vote uh, with uh, Chris's uh, consensus there and opinion that uh, voting is uh, should be uh, a priority. Here we have for Travis. He says, in all, honestly, in all honesty, I do not think it is integral to the Christian lifestyle that he or she cast a vote. After all, the governing authorities are established by God regardless he references Romans 13, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So I, Travis I, says uh, he doesn't feel it's well, not an I obligation. Un- I, understand, oh, oh, well, I, I understand that, uh, but I think may, uh, here's where I'd have a, uh, a little quibble with that. He says the governing authorities are established by God regardless. Well, that's true, but maybe God wanted to use me as a part of that process of getting certain people elected to, to office, you know, you know, in other words, uh, I, I just, I, I think that there's, it's, it's a tough thing. Is God, is God's will going to get done in this election? Well, yes, right. We believe that God is fully capable of getting his will done. Well, does he intend for me to be a part of getting done what he wants done? That's the part that I have. Some some problem with it, uh, saying, well, it doesn't matter. I don't have to vote because God's will is going to get accomplished for the good of the country or to punish the country one way or the other. God's will is going to be done. Well, I, I agree with that. But I think the part that I have some some personal issues with is just like Mordecai said to Esther, who knows? Maybe you're here now for such a time as this. Uh, and, and God's going to use you, use your vote. Uh, providentially to bring about a, a desired outcome. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com. Because you know what Mordecai went on to tell Esther. You know, he says whether you act or not. He said, you know, God will bring deliverance from some other means. If you don't do what you could do, God will bring. Basically, Mordecai was saying God will bring about His will one way or the other, whether you do what you what you can do or not. But he expects. But but Mordecai went on to say, "You'll be held accountable for not having done what you could have done." So it, it, that may be directly applicable to us here. Mordecai to Esther said, "You may be here for such a time as this. Whether you do so or not, God will bring deliverance to His people somehow." But he went on to say, "But you'll be held accountable because you didn't do what you could have done in that moment. God will bring about His will, but He may hold you accountable for not doing what you could have done." Yeah, I think uh, to answer the question, should we vote, in my mind, at the end of Romans chapter 1 and verse 32, I think that comes into play. In Romans 1, Paul is listing out a whole lot of things that people are doing wrong. Verse 32, he's basically saying if you 
put your stamp of approval on these things, you know, then you're just as guilty as everybody else that's doing them. You know, so I feel like, you know, if if I if I vote, I need to vote for somebody that's against, you know, doing things that are evil. But if I don't vote, I'm basically just approving, and in my mind, I'm basically just letting people that are doing things evil, I'll let them do it, and I, I'm acting like it's okay in my mind. So I feel like you have to uh, let your voice be heard that you're disapproving things that are evil and things that God doesn't like. Yeah. Mike in Ohio in the chat room says, I almost always vote, but believe that it will not do any good. And I, I, I sort of understand that sort of discouraged outlook on things, uh, the way they're going in our country in particular. And, and I, I have, I have probably low, uh, uh, anticipation of a good outcome for the current election. Uh, but I, I'm not, I, I don't think we should base our vote or, or what we're able to do or what we can do, what we're authorized to do, as you were saying, Josh, to let our voice be heard. I don't think we should just think, well, since, since the liberals in our society are going to win anyway and abortion is going to continue anyway, uh, homosexual marriage is going to continue anyway, there's really no, I mean, we, no use knocking yourself out to cast a vote. I think we're still making, we're making our, our stand known. Maybe we could look at it as though we're at least slowing the process down, you know. Uh, they just can't go whole hog after their liberal agenda if they know that there's at least some resistance in the country to what they're trying to get done in all of these uh, morally despicable decisions they're making. Guess 9169 says Jesus told us to take care of the children. And 9169 goes on and says God always delivers his people when they repent and turn back to him. Certainly that is the uh, history that we have revealed in the scriptures is that God will uh, deliver his people if they will repent. Yeah. I really think it's a liberty that we have. We have a liberty. We, we First of all, we have a government privilege of voting. And I think as Christians, religiously, it's a matter of liberty. We, we, we can choose to do what we want to do. And so, you know, I'm not going to fall out with anybody if they say I don't vote or I don't feel like I should vote or I don't think my vote does any good. But for me, I'm going to say I feel I personally feel a moral moral obligation to make my position known in the voting booth. Is our one vote going to going to turn the tide? Obviously, no. One vote's not going to turn the tide. The election is not going to hinge on my particular vote. But I still believe it's a way to let my position be known as uh, let my light shine. I'm just in a tiny corner of the world here. But I can just let this tiny light, little light, sh- you know, as our kids sing in Bible class, I'm going to let my little light shine. Guess 58.15, God, Satan wants us to think we can't make a difference. I think that is true. Uh, thank you, 58.15, for that. Satan does want us to to think that we can't make a difference, that we're outnumbered, that uh, that it doesn't matter if God's on our side or not, that uh, there's nothing but we can do But you know, all through the overcome. Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, when, when Israel and Judah were really corrupt and wicked, God knew his righteous remnant, and how did he know them? The only way he could have known them was by virtue of what they acted, what they did. And so we need to identify ourselves as a righteous remnant in a in a country that's increasingly immoral. Let your light shine. When we get back from uh, the bullet point this week, uh, we need to talk about the certain issues regarding the current election 
What do we want to think about? Uh, should we pray for the God's will to be done in the election? What about the uh, moral issues at stake? And, uh, well, what about the moral character or lack thereof of the candidates? What are we going to talk about? Uh, what are we going to think about that? And how does that influence our decisions? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We want your th- comments. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible State will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. God's plan for every Christian includes membership in a local church. We're concerned when we see some folks who do not seem to appreciate this fact and who are apparently unconcerned about identifying themselves with a local congregation. After Paul's conversion in Damascus and upon his return to Jerusalem, quote, he essayed or made effort to join himself to the disciples, Acts 9, verse 26. This, of course, was not an easy task. Paul had previously been persecuting those very same Christians. They were justifiably hesitant to take him into their fellowship. It was necessary for Barnabas to speak in his defense before the church received him. Think about this from Paul's perspective. It certainly would have been easier to simply avoid those brethren. It could not have been a pleasant thing to face them. Their intense scrutiny of him would have been difficult to endure, yet Paul was willing to make this effort. Wonder why? Well, Paul surely understood God's plan for membership in a local church. He saw the advantage of his association in a congregation of believers. He wanted and needed this fellowship. So do we. Consider briefly some of the blessings we receive when we identify with a local church. One, we gain constant daily encouragement from our brethren, Hebrews 3.13. Two, our efforts to do good are multiplied, amplified, and made more efficient as we join in cooperation with others who share the same goals. Our weaknesses are assisted by their strengths and vice versa, Ephesians 4, verse 16. Three, we have help carrying the heavy loads of life, Galatians 6, verse 2. Four, there's a sense of accountability that comes from being a part of a spiritual family. Others are watching us, and the knowledge of this helps us in the time of temptation, Titus 2, verses 7 and 8. And finally, number five, when we fall, they're there to pick us up, Galatians 6, verse 1. And so, if you're not a member of a local church, we simply ask, why not? You need this. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible We're study. We're back on the program tonight. The chat room's heating up. If you're not in there yet, sign in. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been out to our website, maybe listen to us in the podcast, never been, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You want to check it out. And you want to contact us. If you've never contacted us, please send us an email. Just let us know you're out there listening. Questions at collegeview. Dot com and uh, say hello and suggest a topic, perhaps, or a question you have that you might like to have answered in this format. Questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talking about the election and uh, the Christian's responsibility, the Christian's rights in uh, the electoral process. All right, so we're moving on to the question, uh, I think a big question at hand. Concerning the current election, you know, what about prayer? Can Christians, should Christians, are Christians engaging in prayer relative to this, I think, really uh, watershed event in our nation's history? I, I, I really think this is a very crucial time, and the outcome of this election is going to have some very significant long-term ramifications for Christians and for the cause of, of uh, the Lord. Uh, should we be praying? I think, I think that's a no-brainer. I think, obviously, we should be praying, and we ought to be praying uh, 
for uh, God's will to be done. Now, you know, so your candidate, well, we'll talk about this later, but let's say, let's say that a candidate that is not of our liking, that we think is going to take the country in a continuing and escalating immoral direction, does that mean God didn't hear or answer our prayers? No, that does not mean that. Uh, and as lots of people have pointed out, it may very well be that God's going to use this election and the outcome of it to punish this nation. Now, that may be the outcome. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end of, the, of our lesson. But I think we ought to be praying. We ought to be praying that the will of God be done. I think we ought to be praying what Paul told Timothy. First Timothy 2, beginning verse 1. First Timothy 2, beginning verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. Notice this. Here's what it's about. It's that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's good and acceptable to God that Christians pray for such things. And specifically, pray that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Now, you know, I think that the outcome of this election could impact that. I I think the outcome of this election might make it such that we are not able to lead quiet and peaceable lives in godliness and honesty. That there may be restrictions placed upon our religious practice uh, in, in our proclaiming of God's truth. Uh, if, if it is, it is. But let's pray that the outcome of this election will be such that Christians can do their work serving God, trying to expand the kingdom uh, without interference. You know, uh, certainly if we can pray for the kings, I think we could pray for the electoral process of those those rulers as well, that that would be effective in uh, uh, providing for our quiet and peaceful lives with all godliness. I want to tell you, to all of you who are Christians who are listening, if you have not been praying about this upcoming election, I want to urge you to pray. The the scriptures tell us to pray for our civil leaders. uh, Pray specifically for the outcome, that it will be such that will allow us to serve God without interference. Uh, but if you're not, if you've not been, I, I'm, I find it a little hard to believe that any Christians would not have already been praying about this. But if you haven't been, uh, get busy in prayer about the outcome of this election. Now, it's important to notice that the focus of our prayers is not uh, pray for the kings and uh, so that uh, our economy will improve, more jobs, better the, trade deals, bigger armies. Uh, you know, uh, get these bridges fixed. Yeah. our airports are falling <laughs> apart. Please, we've got to have better airports. God, please help us get that. No, it's not that. So uh, there, it's it's a spiritual focus that needs to be our our focus. Yeah. And um, and so certainly that's that is a focus in the model prayer. Jesus told us we should pray uh, in Matthew six verse ten. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should want that in 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 this process. And you know, there's another verse uh, that may apply here. James chapter one verse five: If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Pray for wisdom about how to conduct yourself relative to this election, for the wisdom to make the right decision. I, I actually think that the decision is pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, I, I can't imagine anybody would have to pray and say. God, give me wisdom to know which of these candidates to vote for. I, I think it's pretty straightforward if you're going to vote who you're going to vote for in regards to these moral questions. But, uh, again, praying for wisdom is always a, a good thing. Josh, any thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, James five sixteen says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, so our prayer is going to do 
some good. Uh, you know, I think I think people think, well, it's not it's not going to do any good. God, you know, he but he's listening to our prayers. I mean, his will is going to be done, and so we should pray for that. Yeah. But I've got confidence knowing that you know he's even used if, if somebody gets elected. I think they're they're evil. He's used evil rulers in the past to accomplish his will. Yeah. His will is going to be done. And so. we've been reading recently uh, in Jeremiah where God calls Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Nebuchadnezzar will do this. He will do this. He'll bring about this punishment and, and so forth. Uh, so God God can use the outcome of the election to, to bring about what he wants. And we may not understand it in the in the near term but in the long term god's will will be accomplished all right 877-381-4567 we'd like to hear from you on the phone tonight chris in atlanta says uh, yes in regards to prayer we must pray for wisdom and for god's will to be done and realize that regardless of the outcome jesus is still king of all kings agreed, agreed. excellent comments thank you for that, chris uh, rick in the chat room says jo- joseph's brothers uh, admitted, we do not well when they solve the anguish on the part of Joseph. They did not take a stand. There are certainly times when we need to take a stand. Mordecai's counsel to Esther is also proof of this. While neither of these were an election, certainly Esther's was in a political or governmental situation, she needed to stand up and be counted. Can we do any less today? Guest uh, 9169 says, remember, silence is agreement. We need to fear and pray our living God will deliver this nation. And guest 5815, it may be that this country is being punished for our sins, and this election is a part of that. Yeah, that's what we don't know. That's what we don't know. In the chat room, Jared mentioned something, and I think this is going to – I'm going to hang on to that till we talk about the moral character of the candidates. Hang on, Jared. We're going to get to your comment in a minute. But, yeah, let's let's move quickly because we're going to run out of time. But in answer to the prayer, I mean, again – I don't want to overuse the term no-brainer, but I think it's no-brainer to be praying about all, always, always, not just not an election. Not an election year, every, yeah. every day. Yeah, or, pray for yeah, our nation, pray for our leaders, yeah. All right. all right, so what about the moral issues that are at stake in this election? Well, I think for all of us as Christians, as we were just saying, moral issues ought to be more important to us than anything else. Proverbs 16, verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right you know that's the way we ought to see it you know well here's this real liberal politician who takes really far out immoral views on a lot of issues but i really think his economic policy is better you know and we'll have more jobs we'll have bigger wages uh, you know things are going to be a lot better with that candidate i know that he's got some some b- bad moral positions but I think the economy is sure going to be better with him in it. Well, that shouldn't matter to us. That should not be the deciding factor. Um, uh, the the affluent people uh, in, in Israel, uh, you know, Israel enjoyed great great prosperity in the early days uh, under King Solomon. Israel was greatly uh, uh, enriched. Second uh, Chronicles 1, verse 15, Solomon made silver and gold at Jerusalem as plenteous as stones, and cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. But uh, God voted Solomon out. 
uh, in First Kings 11, beginning verse 6, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, Forasmuch as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Uh, so things were going really well economically in the days of Solomon, but God voted Solomon out of office. That's right. And one of those uh, problems he had in verse 7 of that context, then did Solomon build a high place for Shemosh, the um, abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. You remember Molech was the guy that they'd offer their babies to, um, and a uh, very similar practice to the practice we have of aborting our babies today. Yeah. Uh, things were good financially. But the morals were corrupt and bankrupt, and God punished. I think, you know, we've talked about both of these things so many times on the virtual Bible study, but I think the two top moral issues in 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 a sort of a, a repeating uh, cycle of election processes, this is not the only election that this, these have been issues, but they're certainly still big issues in the elective process, abortion, and homosexuality. Those are two. And I'm going to tell you, I've said this before, but I will say it again. I don't care what political party a candidate represents. I don't. I don't care what their policy is about the economy and jobs. I don't care what their policy is about terrorism or uh, military defense of the country or anything. If they are wrong, if this candidate is wrong on abortion and homosexuality. I will not cast a vote for that candidate. I can't. I conscientiously cannot do that to vote to put into an office a candidate who who is openly espousing their devotion to continuing abortions, expanding them, and 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 ensuring the right of homosexuals and same-sex marriage. I, I can't vote. I can't. I conscientiously cannot vote. I don't know how a Christian could. I'll, I'll just go so far as to say I do not understand how a Christian could vote for a candidate. It's, this is not, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure where that candidate stands on that question. Okay, well, that may be it. But there, some of the candidates, and one in particular running for president this time, just recently made it so ultimately clear Ask the question about what kind of Supreme Court justices would you not uh, appoint? The answer was, I want to make sure to appoint Supreme Court justices that are going to allow women's reproductive rights, was the way it was said. That's just a... a, a That's just a sanitary way to say, say we're going to abortion. kill babies. And... And marriage equality. And that's just a way to say, I'm going to make sure that homosexuals are allowed to marry. Okay. Now, th- there, there's no question in that in that case. It's very clear... And I'll tell you, that person could never get a vote from me. And I want to just challenge all Christians. How can you vote for such a person who acknowledges that that will be their course of action? We've got to take a moral stand on that. I just think we've got to. I don't see how we could do otherwise. Well, you know, if you're if you're not voting on moral principles and you're voting on economic principles i guess what what other things are there to vote on it's more it's either moral principles or economic i would assume uh or maybe national security but we see god's vote as you called it there in uh, first kings chapter 11 with solomon it wasn't about economic things it was about the morals uh, that needs to be the christian's guiding 
determinant is uh, the the moral uh, stance of those they're voting for. Jared in the chat room has got an interesting comment. He says, First Timothy 5.22 is talking about appointing elders, but don't you think this would apply to casting your vote for president, senators, and so forth? Quote, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. I never thought of applying that verse, but I think it would have application in this sense. All right. Let us know your thoughts. We are over time for our last break. When we get back, we need to talk about the moral character of the candidates, how that enters into our determination, and whether or not one's preferred candidate wins. What should be the Christian's reaction? What are the Christian's responsibility to the elected officials, regardless of whether or not we voted for that individual what are the christians responsibilities let us know your thoughts we go to the top of the hour quick right after this enjoying the virtual bible study email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion there's more exciting bible study after this commercial this is monty overton a member of the college view church of christ thanks for listening to the virtual bible study we appreciate your interest in the bible it is after all god's message to us We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it, there it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment, there it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away, there it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey asked how many times Christians have personally invited an unchurched person to attend a church service or some other program at your church. 48% of church attendees responded zero. 43% of people said they personally invited someone one or two times. 19% say they've done so on three or more occasions in the past six months. The same study revealed 21% of churchgoers say that outside of church worship services, they pray every day for people they know who are not professing Christians. 26% say they pray a few times a week. 20% say they rarely or never pray for the spiritual status of others. All that information is via LifeWay Research. The Word of God says in Mark 16, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back. Let's just tell us, I guess we need to get to work. Get busy. Yeah. All right. Uh, We're going to the top of the hour talking about the election and our uh, the Christian's responsibility to that in that direction. So so moral issues are at stake. You've got to factor that into your decision. What about the moral character of the candidates? I do think character matters. There's just no doubt about that. Proverbs twenty nine two. Yep. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Yep. Well. I, what do we do in this instance where I think we've got two pretty immoral people yep. to choose from in regards to the presidential election? Uh, Here, what do we do? Here's God's uh, view of it in Second Samuel chapter 23. 
David says, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. That's the kind of leader that God wants. Yeah. Someone who's just and rules in the fear of him. So here's, I think, the huge dilemma for Christians in the current election is that we don't have a person of high moral character in either candidate for president. What do you do? Uh, This is going to definitely delve into the realm of judgment. Judgment. Yeah. And so I think here's probably where we got to bring up the question. What about this idea of lesser of two evils? You know, is that a fair way? I mean, do we do that? Do we say, well, I'm going to have to hold my nose and vote for this one because that one is way worse. As bad as this one is, that one's way worse. So I'm going to hold my nose and vote for this one because I I think the outcome of that one being president would be just horrible. Do we do that? Can Christians do that? I don't know. Okay, that's a question that's going to, that Christians are going to have to answer. Here's how Chris answers it. So far, I haven't seen fruits of much moral character, character at all in either major candidate. I firmly believe that the candidates that have been nominated is a direct reflection on the heart of the nation. This is why we should not rely on government to set the moral standards. Our duty is to spread the gospel to as many as we can. The more people that obey the gospel, the more the moral fabric of our society will change. Amen to that, Chris. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and perhaps we need to take less focus on what's going to happen with the election and more focus on am right. I going to be able to teach my neighbor? Exactly. Uh, and who am I going to? And that goes to what we should be praying for. Well, as yeah. we said from First Timothy, right? And so uh, certainly, maybe uh, take in your efforts and your your energies in the direction of spreading the gospel. Certainly, Chris, good comments there. Um, let me go back to what Jared said in the chat room. He said the students at Liberty University really called out Jerry Falwell Jr. in his unwavering support of Trump, despite his despite Trump's indiscretion. He said, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s vote for Trump won't swing the election, but it sure did harm his influence. I think the same could be said for us. Our vote won't swing the election, but our influence with our associations who are non-Christians will be hindered if they see us defending an immoral man. Well, that is the problem, isn't it? That is the issue. Josh, what do you think? Well, I think that's, that's tough. But I think if we, if somebody approaches you and says, oh, you're defending a guy that's immoral or a or whoever that's immoral that you're voting for, I think you've got to know, or you've got to let them know, well, this is why I'm voting for that person, because of because of issues yeah, that I think I, God stands on this side of, and I'm lining up with him. It's not that uh, I think this yeah. is a great guy. If, if, I vote for, if I vote for such a person, I'm voting, as Chris said in his email, I'm voting to save innocent babies' right. lives. Uh, I'm voting to defend the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. I'm not voting for the immoral the immoral acts of such a person, yeah. and and uh, I th- I think all Christians are are outraged. But I I, I want to tell you I I think the political landscape is just absolutely paved with immoral characters. There's not a good one out there. I think I think to get to to politics at that level, you got to be a corrupt person. I don't think there's a righteous man or woman amongst them. Uh, and so, you know, it's 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 sort of a, a, a moral minefield in politics. And I, I don't you know if you're saying, you know, it's you know different shades of evil here. I don't know. I don't know. Chris's comments there. I, I firmly believe the candidates that have been nominated is a direct reflection on the heart of the nation. I think that maybe says says more about uh, the state of our, our country than anything that the candidates that we have on uh, the ballots 
are reflecting of where we are morally in our country, and it is so, totally bankrupt. Yes. That uh, we have, well, there's there apparently are no leaders that uh, to choose from that would represent the wholesome, godly values that we would like. Yeah. Uh, so uh, certainly it is a bad commentary on our society. Perhaps a commentary on where God is headed with this nation as far as maybe punishing this nation and giving this nation what it deserves, perhaps. We look at the Old Testament, and certainly um, they got to the point where there wasn't a lot to, good to choose from among the kings of the divided kingdoms. And, um, well, but, that, they, but they still had a personal obligation to do the right thing. They did. They did. And um, so uh, certainly yeah. some so ma- I, maybe I mean, a here's where, here's where I think we're not going to be a lot of help. Uh, you're going to have to use your judgment. Can you uh, – can you – in good conscience, hold your nose and vote for one candidate over the other because of what you see as the outcome of one versus the other. Because I think that's where I'm at. Uh, if I'm if if I vote for such and such a person, it's going to be not because I think that person is a great moral character because neither of them are. But if I vote for one person, it's going to be because. I believe that the moral outcome of the other one being elected would be far worse in regards to the kind of laws that would be enacted and the direction that the country would be taken. Uh, I haven't decided fully yet if, if I can hold my nose that hard. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that would be the basis. And I, I'm just thinking every Christian is going to have to make that call. Certainly. It's going to be a lot of judgment here. Um, and uh, in the chat room... 9169 says, pray that the, we return to the old path, which is narrow and straight. Amen to that. And uh, 9169 again says, sin is sin, and God will judge. Certainly God will judge and hold accountable those who violate his principles. Let's jump to this we last question. avoid that. Uh, uh, Rick's got a comment about this last question. Okay, so whether or not your preferred candidate wins, what are you going to do as a Christian? Okay. Uh, Rick says, as Christians, we need always to remember the lessons stated at least three times in Daniel 4. The most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. Whoever is elected, let us remember that uh, this um, and place our trust in God who rules in the affairs of men. I think that's right. We keep trusting God. We keep doing our work. We, By the way, we keep submitting to government and we keep praying for government. Government. And so let's say that the candidate that I really think would be would be horrible for the future of our country ends up being elected. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to keep submitting because Romans 13 says I must. Uh, uh, with the caveat, Acts 5.29, I ought to obey God rather than men. If they start enacting laws that contradict God's law, I'm going to obey God rather than men. But as much as I can, I'm going to submit to civil authority. I'm going to pray for the king. I'm going to honor the king. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to keep showing respect and, and submission. And I'm going to keep praying for him. All right, uh, Josh, your thoughts? Yes, yeah, so I, I think definitely a couple things. What are we going to do? Well, we've got to we've got to continue to teach people. I think the moral, uh, I don't know, the moral understanding of of our society is going downhill. So we need to be better at teaching people that yeah. the issues, moral issues, are right and which ones are wrong. But I think uh, in Second Peter three, uh, verse. 10, he's talking about, I think this is toward the end of Peter's life, he was talking about uh, the day of the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night. Verse 11, he says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? I think at the end of the day, we've got to know that God is the judge, and you know this isn't 
forever. This is just temporal in this life. And so yeah. we've got him to answer to. So we ought to be what manner of persons ought we to be. We ought to be holy like he is and, and do our best to, to serve him. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, real quick, we're just out of time. Travis says, uh, here we got to point everyone back to Romans 13. We should support whomever is elected president insofar as we are to be subject to our government. I think it's important to remember that we are Christians first and Americans second. Just like the early Christians under Roman persecution, they may have been subject to the governing authorities, but they did not give up, they did not give up the faith when the Roman rulers demanded them to give up their faith. Neither should we compromise our faith. All right. Agreed. And Chris in Atlanta says, regardless of who's elected, we've got to respect our leaders, pray for them, obey the laws of the land that do not contradict God's word. The most important thing we can do is to be about our Father's business of spreading the gospel. Amen. All right. Uh, good, good comments. First uh, Peter chapter two is definitely going to be pertinent in uh, this uh, context. Honor all people. First Peter two seventeen. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Now the king, in those days, was pretty bad guy. Burning Christians at the stake. Yeah. The lightest parties. Yeah. Uh, hang, uh, crucifying Christians upside down. Uh, and they were still to honor him. Yeah. Uh, same is true for our president and our governor and our mayor and whoever else it may be. Show honor to those who are in those positions. Exactly right. It's the command of God. doesn't All matter right. the character. It's the command of God. It's coming up. It's coming up. You pray about it. Be busy in prayer. Make your call. Do what you your con- follow your follow your, your conscience based upon the instruction of scriptures. Uh, always honor your conscience in those matters. And pray that uh, decisions we made that allow us to live godly and peaceful lives. Exactly right. All right, quiet and peaceful lives with all godliness and honesty. Yeah, that's right. All right, uh, Josh. Appreciate your comments tonight. For Thanks joining for having us. me. Good to be here. Dad, thank you for Thanks. your time as well. Thank Thanks. you for joining us. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Rick, in the chat room quickly, under the wire here, he says, we need to be pure salt that has a preserving influence on society. That is the responsibility of every Christian. We must not fail exactly. in this. We Amen. must not Amen, fail Rick. in this. Amen, Rick. And that's a good way to end. Yeah. Make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.